.NET Rocks episode 716 with guests Tim Huckabee, Billy Hollis, Dr. Neil Rudin, and Paul Sheriff. Recorded live Wednesday, November 2nd, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Uh, this is a panel discussion we recorded at Dev Connections a couple of weeks ago. And uh, as we were recording it, we discovered that we weren't really recording it. So about 20 minutes in, somebody finally pushed the record button, and we got most of it. So uh, before we start that, I want to tell you that Pluralsight.com is where you can watch 200 minutes of free developer training given by many of our guests. They have 600-plus hours of content to choose from, including those from Metro programming, like Building Windows 8 Metro Apps with C Sharp and XAML with Ian Griffiths. Building Windows 8 Metro Apps with C++ and XAML by Kate Gregory. Introduction to Building Windows 8 Metro Apps by Dan Walleen. And in addition, there are Fundamentals classes in C Sharp, taught by Scott Allen, VBNet by Rob Windsor, C++ by Kate Gregory, and JavaScript by Liam McLennan. After your free 200 minutes are up, it's only 30 bucks a month. Pluralsight.com is proud to support .NET Rocks. Thanks for that, and now let's get to the content. To me, it's the video that's key to my experience. But if I move into uh, an arena where I'm manipulating things and I'm producing, now my need to be emotionally connected to the application is, is higher, and I need more power than a consumption-based platform like HTML5 is going to give me. And look, we can't consume stuff unless it gets produced. Somebody's got to produce it. So I'm not doing Corel Draw in HTML5. Okay? I'm not writing the system that the radiologist manages x-rays in HTML5. Mm. That's, just, that's just nuts. But you might have a viewer. I might have a viewer. Right. But the thing that the guy is doing... That's you know life or death decisions to make sure that he gets the diagnosis right. And that's that's got to be tweaked number one for all the low risk factors, mm -hmm. and number two to raise this guy's productivity absolutely as high as it can be because he's expensive. So when I'm in in that mode, I've got to have the client stuff. I've mm -hmm. just got to have it. I think also in in some modes of consumption, think about readers, think about ebook readers. In fact, it's a glaring hole right now in kind of, if you look at the Microsoft stack. So, there's an opportunity for someone to go and build a great e-reader and make a fortune on the Microsoft stack. But, you know, all the other platforms seem to have a very strong play in the reader space. What happened to Microsoft Reader? What happened to Microsoft Reader? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly. What happened to Microsoft Reader? It's what a happened? good question. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know. It hasn't been revved in years. It's yeah, nobody project. knows, nobody cares, right? Apparently. Which is disturbing, but... True. But, you know, it seems like Microsoft's view is, well, IE is your reader, but it's not a, it's not a great ebook reader. Mm. And, you know, and e reading an ebook is, is a pure consumption activity, but I want it to be a beautiful experience as well. I want it to be a clean experience. That's fair enough. Yeah, the, uh, the Kindle reader on Chrome is the best reader I've seen for the PC. 
but it's disturbing that I'm using Amazon and Google's technology on a Microsoft platform right. to actually have a good reading experience. Well, that's, see, that's one of the things that when you start to look at the entire WinRT space and you look at everything that's going to happen, the, the, the hidden elephant in the room to me is Amazon. Mm-hmm. Because I, they are the most effective competitor Microsoft has right now. And nobody seems to be paying them And nobody attention. pays a bit of attention to them. I, I think it's because Jeff Amazon Bezos stays off well, stage. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, they're, they're, it's all secrecy and Apple and what they're doing on stage and Google, all, you know, all the analysts are looking at them. But, and then Amazon just puts some brand new thing on their homepage and everybody goes, wow. Right. Well, what's your point about not paying attention? Because Amazon is crushing Windows Azure. No, I'm with you. But, uh, I mean, and Amazon actually defined cloud, really. Yeah. We all talked about it. They went out and built it. Right. right? EC2 and S3. I mean, those are the real products that are that are taking the market by storm, and I and I think Kindle made eBooks real. I mean, Sony got to market first, but nobody seemed to care. Kindle's what made it happen. And now, for two hundred dollars, you can have a little Android tablet that also happens to read your Kindles. And and Kindle it's books. not a, it's not about the technology. Agreed. It's about the connection to the customer. Hmm. I did a seminar with hundred and thirty people at Build, and I asked people. Who do you have a relationship with? Apple, not very many. Google, two thirds, three quarters. Amazon, virtually every hand go up. Goes Everybody up go, buys something yeah. from Amazon. And and I go, how many of you have how many of you have good relationship with Amazon? And they're all there. They don't have bad relationships with Amazon. But you also, you know, there's a way to flip that around, Billy, which is when you say, you know, what's your best retail relationship? Nobody will say Amazon. Even though it probably is the It best probably retailer. is, yeah. They, they, Amazon's almost played too low a profile that they are not significant in consciousness even yeah. though we're all participating. Well, I, I, I think of the old quote, bad leaders force people to do things, good leaders persuade people to do things. When the very best leaders have done their job, the people say we did it ourselves. They don't even notice the leadership. Right. And yet you're exactly right. And Amazon's if that's leadership true, is remarkably transparent. Yeah, yeah. Then Amazon is the best leader. I think that's very localized uh, to North America. Uh, that's probably true. I mean, because I have a client. There, there's a few billion people outside North America well, I understand that can't that. get now it. Now you're no, talking I, crazy. No, I have a client. It's true. It's, it's really true. They're, no, they're out there. All the billions of people are outside North America. Everybody knows the world is square. <laughs> now I have a client in Brazil, and internet retailing doesn't do any good there. And the problem is they don't have the transportation network. You can't rely on something getting delivered to your house. So stores are still the big thing there, and I understand that. Nevertheless, the North American market drives a lot of what happens in the world. How are they going to do the Olympics? Oh, my goodness. Brazil. Yeah. I don't know. I'm worried about Brazil. I'm worried about the UK. Yeah, London. Yeah, I think I'll go to both, and I'll let you know. Like, it should be good fun, (laughs) one way or the other. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls 
to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework to free agile management tools and content management systems. All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So is Windows RT, WinRT relevant? We, we, we keep straying. We're talking about all the yeah. other people well, and it's, how awesome they it, are. It has to exist in this entire system. It has to compete against these things. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. has to come out and do a good job. It and has to be adopted. That's right. And we won't know until we see the adoption. Well, and I first. think Fire is an incredible threat. It's a $200 tablet. So far for WinRT, the cheapest tablet I've seen is thirteen hundred bucks. That's the only tablet, right? Yeah, yeah. That that's a big issue. They've got to work out how to bring hardware pricing down. But you know, the the hype machine really did an effective job of, of scaring everybody into thinking, you know, that this is this is the way your your life is going to go from now on. You know, this is the path that we have laid out for you, dear developer. Embrace it or die. You know, and. I, that's just not true. I, everybody needs to know WinRT, Metro-style apps, they're an option. Yep. They're an option and uh, a business move for Microsoft to get, I think, to really lure in the JavaScript, HTML5 crowd, who, by their very nature, it does what they do with the technology they use because it's open. And now Microsoft says, hey, use those great tool sets you have to build apps for this. Well, it's got to be pretty damn popular and and uh, lucrative before they'll do that, I think. Well, they're looking at the consumer now, right? Finally. Right. Yep. So Microsoft well, again. has finally said... No, again. Well, again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they finally come back around, right? So and it's like Billy said. The people that are doing the line of business applications, they're not going to be using Metro apps. They're going to be using the same old desktop apps that we're building today, aren't they? Right? And for, then, for a while. Well, or, you know, see, this is the problem. Everybody puts everything into a bucket. It's like, if I'm going to do an app, I've got to do everything in one technology. Why? Mm-hmm. You've got to look at each right. module and say, who is the audience that is going to do that? The line of business guy, he wants a quick, really snappy app. That's going to be a XAML desktop app. Okay? The, guy, the manager guy, he just wants his information. He wants the summary stuff. And he wants to get it on whatever device he has available. Right. So fine, you use HTML5 and JavaScript for that piece of the app. But people always want to say it's got to be this way or the other way. No, right. it doesn't. Yeah, and, you need and, to and it can be both. The I mean, app into different technologies. Now, I'd be interested to, if you guys have the same. Our guideline, our, our rule of thumb, is to add a new UI stack to a well-designed and, and developed system is about ten percent mm-hmm. of the, yeah. the development cost. Ten percent, ten percent more, and we got a new stack. Yeah, is that about right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, with with that, if if I've got a well-developed system, and it's got one UI stack on it, but it's properly layered. Uh-huh. You know, I've got everything going on the server the way it should be, etc. And I want to ra- add a completely new and different UI stack. Let's say, I, well, this goes back to Windows Forms. We used to do Windows Forms, mm-hmm. but then there was the part we, we exposed the ASP.NET. Right. Typically a subset. Our guideline was 8 to 10% more on project costs to add that UI stack. As long as you're on the same underlying platform. Right. Well, that's right. And that brings up WinRT, which isn't compatible 100% with .NET and Silverlight and all that stuff. So you do have those system things that need to change. But to my um, understanding, 
is the best applications have most of the goo of the app in the cloud. Right. So that you're essentially, your UI just becomes the way to call your services. And hopefully there isn't all that much stuff it, besides UI code on the app itself. And it's very dependent on what you're doing. Right? Of yeah. course it is. It but, is. Yeah. but we're back to, you know, like we were talking about earlier, COBOL. Right. Are we back to a mainframe? We're back to 1998. <laughs> exactly. 1998. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, we are. Okay. My green screen terminal is a browser or, or a very thin app, right? Yeah. 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 But so it's got color now, but it's still, that's pretty much Back what we're me. saying. Any well, questions or comments from our uh, audience here? Don't make me put Michelle on the spot. <laughs> Basically, in terms of uh, legacy software, you know, if we, if, if a company has a piece of legacy software that they want to invest time in updating, thank you. Is it, <laughs> is it, um, would it be better to go with .NET or WinRT? That's that's basically the question we're facing now. That's what I am. That's a, that, would it be better to go with .NET or WinRT? The question is, what target? what's your target market? Right now, there is no market for WinRT. Okay, well, it, it's a purely business um, customers. Right. If so HTML5 is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you architect your business application in such a way that most of it is in the cloud, and your UI is uh, is XAML, then you can do both, yeah. and that's what we're that's what we're here to say that you don't have to choose one or the other. Well, and, and there's more and more incentive to make this very cloud centric app where the view is as light as possible, right. because there is a demand for so many views. Right. Right. We have a fractured market now. It's not all Windows. It is iOS. It is Android. Those are players in this space. And so the, you want to write as little code as possible in each of those platforms and have as much on the back end as you can get. And if I, if I genericize that question a bit, based on questions I get from a lot of, of my own clients over the last six weeks, what they're really asking is, what's, what's the safe choice? And the answer is, there isn't one. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this is technology. Technology changes. This expectation that, I, oh, I've spent 10 years investing my understanding and knowledge in this space. Please never change it. Well, then you're not in technology because technology is all about change, right? If, if nothing changes now, we're never going to get a future, right? This is it. We're all staying here for the rest of eternity in this room. <laughs> what is and the there's no more bit, right? So we want change. Change is good. <laughs> but, but, but let me ask you guys something. I mean, okay, it changes. But how much does it really change, guys? How much has right. your coding really changed in the last 15 years, okay? I mean, when we got VB4, for instance, mm. we started doing classes with properties and methods. What are we doing today? Classes with properties and methods. How we're exposing them is maybe a little different, right? But has our, are we still doing for loops and while loops? If then, if thens, right? Like We're still it. doing the same. Stuff. Are you still doing this, Carl? Because you haven't you haven't <laughs> called me for a while. Like he used to call me and say, "I'm stuck in a while loop. How do I get out?" <laughs> He'd be like, "Break, break." <laughs> really, I mean, you know, when you think about it, I mean, things are changing, yes, but are they changing that drastically, or is it just okay? We got to put a little bit more something else on top now, right? So that's what I look at. It's like I'm still doing the same stuff I've always done. 
but I, I'm kind of adding a little bit more on top, maybe, you know, push, pushing a little bit more back into the back end a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's still the same stuff. That's, what, that's the way I look at it. It's changing all the time. But if you're doing things correctly and you're architecting correctly, how much different really is it? How, how many people saw Billy's, uh, Billy Hollis's 18-minute uh, thing tonight? Not right. enough. Do it again. Not enough. Yeah, you got to do it again, <laughs> Billy. Um, I thought it was brilliant, Billy. And uh, you basically said, if I could summarize it in a, a sentence or two, everybody here who thinks that uh, plumbing code is making you valuable, guess again. <laughs> because plumbing is standardizing. It's moving to the cloud. There are standard versions of the things that you write over and over again that are coming out. And if, you, if you're one of these people who thinks that the code you write, the plumbing code you write, is what gives you value, you're in for a rude awakening. <laughs> Just like the COBOL programmers of days of yore, thought, and who were very smart people, and I'm glad you pointed that out. They were not stupid people. And they ran the systems for 30 years that, that print your paychecks today. But, uh, but they, didn't, they didn't see it coming either. So the, the whole idea now is let's focus on design, on good design principles, on good architecture. The plumbing is going to commoditize. So does that mean software architecture is going to be commoditized? Well, I think, I think it already is to some degree. Well, you, yeah. see, what we, what we call software architecture is not software architecture. You know what I mean. As a, no, as a, is the plumbing? If, yeah, but that's just it. See, we call it architecture, trying to compare it to what goes on in the building world. Bill Buxton pointed this out, and he had it exactly right. Okay. What we call an architect Buxton, is not an architect. He's a structural engineer. Right. That's what, that's what we call an architect. And if the structure is already pre-built for you, then yes, our need for structural engineers drops considerably. Uh, Bill Buxton would be uh, a designer at Microsoft. He's a fellow, I believe. He, Microsoft researcher. Research. Brilliant, brilliant guy. Generally nice guy, too. Yeah. Great guy. Um, so, but we've been talking about the death of the, you know, the back-end software architect for over a decade now, too. And I yeah. think it's interesting that you guys are all now saying that. And we have some good friends who made their career on this. Right. And they will continue to do so. There's still plenty of work to do. Right. I mean, you know, you say, is it commoditized? Is the architecture commoditized? And I say, yes, it is to some degree. In fact, if you look at .NET, that commoditizes the architecture to, to a large degree, right? I mean, if you didn't have those frameworks and you were just programming C on Windows, there's a lot more work to do. And you still might need to do that sometime. Change is inevitable. Uh, I'm sure how to turn it into a question, but um, I needed a phone recently and did a lot more research than I probably should have done on the, on the different options. And one of the things that really surprised me is the comfort level that people have with Android tablets. And the reason they're comfortable is they're buying phones. And every Tom, Dick, and Harry goes into your Verizon phone uh, store, and the Verizon salesman says, oh, look at this here. It's just like an Apple, but it's better, and it's bigger. And, And so people come out with an Android system. And so the Android has becoming essentially ubiquitous. And... When I look in the parallel on the Microsoft world, I mean, we all know Microsoft's track record with Zoom, it looks like it's about to be repeated with, uh, you know, the mobile phone or the Windows 7 phone, whatever it's even called. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, But uh, you can't hardly find a system like that. And so if that's the driving force 
behind uh, this whole new model of software development going right up to the server, then the foundational premise, to my mind, is, is just massively flawed. And trying to decide how to make rational decisions within a framework that has missed the boat, I think is problematic. I guess my first response is, since when has anyone in IT made rational decisions? Nice. But anyway. <laughs> well, and also recognizing that, I mean, Android is succeeding because the carriers want it. Right? You, you know, the more profound thing here is go into any of those retail outlets and ask them about WinPhone 7. And even though you know they carry it, they will steer you away. They'll steer you to Android. In fact, if you even ask vaguely about an iPhone, if you don't do what, you know, the video did, I want an iPhone, I want an iPhone, I want an iPhone. If you're anything less than that, they will steer you to Android because the carriers want to sell Android. And you went into a carrier store. That's the experience you're going to have. Because the markup's pretty good from what right. I hear. Well, and, and they're you know, spiffed. They're well, exactly. Spiffed. You go look at all the salespeople. What are they carrying? They're all carrying Android because the carriers want Android. This has got nothing to do with merit of product. This has got nothing to do with marketing. This has got to do with the carriers care about running their networks. And they find Android safe because they're controlling it. And so that's what they're asking their salespeople to sell. Are they making more money on it because well, the OS is essentially right. free? Except for the Microsoft tax on it, but even that, they're going after the phone, the phone manufacturers for that. But I mean, that's not even the point. The real point here is all those carriers are looking at what happened to AT and T when Apple controlled it, and AT and T is actually a good network. We just forgot. Because Apple controlled what AT&T did, and, AT and Apple dropped AT&T to their knees. And every other carrier looked at that and said, we will not go there. And because they control Android and you do what they need to do, they're controlling how quickly apps roll out, what rolls out. In fact, the fracturing of the market is precisely what the carriers need. Because they don't want every phone updated on the same day. That would be bad. <laughs> right? It kills networks when that happens. They like lots of different products, completely diversified. It's about them keeping their networks up, not serving the customer. That's secondary to the point. Keep the network up. Ultimately, the customer is served when the network's not dropping to its knees, for better or worse. And, I mean, I don't envy Microsoft. I think they make a wonderful product. I really like their phone. Mm. And, but they're up against an incredibly challenging thing because they're, the person they actually need to sell the phone to, the carriers, doesn't want well, I think is to his point is that Microsoft has a limited number of times they can try to use their muscle and money to make things happen and fail. So they fail with Zoom. If they fail with yeah. Windows Phone Seven, and then that's every time they fail, the next thing they try. It is a finite number, but it's actually quite large. Yes, you got a billion here, a billion there. That's a lot of product. I understand, but. The, the psychology starts to get pretty tough after a while. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like the, the sad part is the Zune HD, for those who actually put very nice product. Beautiful product. Yeah, yeah. The problem is the champion of that product was JLR, and he's right. not with the company anymore. Because he did that whole courier thing. Well, has everybody read the courier article from CNET? Really interesting mm -hmm. article. Yeah. Different set of problems. Just a really interesting look, glance into Microsoft itself. And, and I'm on the side of, I, I would have liked Courier, but I know I'm the anomaly. 
what what's curious to me is that Courier got as far as it got before it got killed. That seems a little crazy to me. Okay, I understand why you killed it. How did you get to the point of prototypes before you killed it? should have been killed in the design if that was yeah. the issue. Yeah. That's really the, you know, if you're going to kill it, kill it early. I don't, 130 I mean, people and $30 million? They killed it because it had a fundamental design flaw that it wouldn't uh, support Office and uh, email. And, right. Outlook, you know. <laughs> and And that was obviously in the design from day one. Yeah. You think it would have caught on to that early? Yeah. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Grape City. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Boss comes and says, sales are up this week. I'm taking everybody out to lunch. Awesome. Next day, uh, we're taking a loss. What happened? Well, you're a developer. You can create a report. So you go to your boss and say, okay, what should I report on? And they have no idea. Well, here's the good news. Active analysis from Grape City Power Tools empowers your boss, the money guys, so they can find the answers to their own questions. And the best part is, it's a control. Completely self-contained BI. Using a drag-and-drop interface, users can easily discover trends in the data, and more importantly, the deviations from those trends through its powerful graphical analysis capabilities. Development against the control is easy. All you have to do is provide the data. Active analysis will take care of the aggregation, grouping, filtering, and sorting for the user. Of course, it offers programmatic control of all these operations, too. So if you want more company lunches, do your boss a favor. Use active analysis. For a free evaluation, please go to gcpowertools.com analysis. And don't forget to thank Grape City for being a great sponsor of .NET Rocks. I want to talk a little bit about how you said that programming hasn't changed, and it hasn't changed all that much, but it has gotten a lot more complicated. You yeah. go from, you know, peek and poke to dropping buttons on a form, and now we're doing design patterns, and let's put 16 proxies behind our web service. You know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I also want to mention with WinRT, um, one of the reasons why I love WPF is because you can do just about anything. But Silverlight is like a sandbox version of that, and I think WinRT is even more sandbox. Absolutely. What are your thoughts about that? Absolutely. Uh, I'll just say that um, one of the things that I talked about in my 18-minute talk tonight was the business problem that Microsoft has that they solved with WinRT. Well, it remains to be seen whether they actually solved it, but they addressed it with WinRT, and that is uh, Windows users don't want to install Windows apps because they sometimes contain malware, because basically there's no vetting process for apps. You download them from a, a, a site, whether it's a pay site or a free app, and you take your chances. Um, sometimes you don't even know what you're downloading, because there's five download now buttons on the page, and you download, you ever have that problem? Like I go to SpyBot Search and Destroy, I end up downloading and installing some tool I had no idea, and I'm just clicking the download button. Yeah, 16 tool, but pretty soon I'm like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, there's like network connections going off and my, my CPU is draining for some reason. Um, so, so that's where Apple succeeded with the App Store is the, the vetting process. They were able, they're able to look at the code to say, ah, you're making a call here to some place we don't like. That's not acceptable. You can't be in our App Store. So and they're and actually vetting it. And this is 
Why? And point out unintentionally. Apple did not want the App That's Store, right? right? Steve Jobs didn't Said, want it at all. Said it's Safari or nothing, it. right? They were dragged to the App Store. Happened to work out pretty well for them. Happened to work out really well. So the, the there's business it's... opportunities and, but more importantly, there's a vetting process. And there's multiple layers of vetting process in, in the Windows App Store, which doesn't exist yet. But the layer one is just you can't compile an app if it calls, uh, you know, tries to write a file um, somewhere on the hard drive. You can't do it. System.io is not there. There's a whole bunch of restrictions. Number two is when you submit it, if you do something they don't like, you can't get in the store. So, so RenRT is a sandboxed sandbox because of that business problem that Microsoft's trying to yeah, solve. Microsoft. That's just on the Metro side. That's just right. on Windows right. 8. I mean, Metro. you can still hang do. on, hang on here. We we were told very specifically not to critique WinRT's API as it is now because it's going to get a lot more rich right. in the next version. But right. you so see the gentleman's that. comment resonates. You know, Silverlight is a tiny subset of yeah. WPF. Exactly. WPF is almost like Win32. It's so big and rich and awesome. Right. Right. And the reason Silverlight is a tiny subset is it's. 4.2 meg download. Got to run in the browser. They can only cram so much in that runtime so they can compete against Adobe Flash. Right, yeah. I think but it's really important to remember that what we're seeing in WinRT is not even version 1 yet. Right. My point. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that is something we've got to bear in mind. And even when it ships as version 1, it'll still be 1.0. Yeah. But Mark, there's a long way to go. The whole app, the siloing in the app play is about Microsoft taking responsibility for your app. Right. They're going to run the App Store. People are going to stall apps off that App Store because it says Microsoft on it. And so they want to be pretty darn sure you're not shipping viruses. Right. And they're going to put us in a narrow can. They're going to make us work hard to be able to get into that store because ultimately they're as culpable as you are. And that's a okay. reason to move to Windows 8, right? I mean, that's one reason. Another great reason is that it's smaller and runs in less memory and that it has a, a really... Cool task manager. <laughs> well, and hopefully, <laughs> when we touch enable, when we actually see the ARM product, I hope the ARM product is compelling. Right. Yeah. I mean, CES, CES this year, January this year, there was a whole conversation around ARM, and no one's talked about it until now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important point too. You're going to get, hopefully, you know, with Windows 8, some really lightweight devices right. that do things differently to how Windows has in the past. Okay, but what about the guy? I mean, who needs WPF? Right, because you got to get down and talk to the machine. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm doing work right now with fruit sorting machines. Nice. Okay. Gallo glass. Okay. We got to do numerical control on bottle testing machines. You're not going to make it in Metro. No. No. You're not exactly. going to make it in Metro. So I've still got to have that other side. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, and that's completely independent. That's a whole other side. Right, so we have the sandbox side, the consumerization part of it, and then we have also this same part we've been doing for years, don't we? Mm -hmm. And that's the best thing. We do still have the best of all worlds. So what if Windows 9 takes away your blue side? Well, then I'm going to go and just open my lunch truck in Clear Lake, Iowa, and I'm going to be done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you know, these guys aren't getting paid for this, um, so I appreciate you got to appreciate hand their time. But we're, uh, we're getting I got a beer. kicked out in two minutes, so how about one more question or comment from the audience, yeah, and then we'll all go out and have cocktails and, and uh, make this a little more interesting discussion. <laughs> yes, sir. Can you shout? 
I will paraphrase for you. That's going to be tough for me to paraphrase. No, but I think, and you're exactly right. You get your hands on that build tablet, it's an odd machine because it runs studio. Yeah. And that's not normal for a tablet. That, a PC honestly, that tablet has too much horsepower in it. It's too hot. It's too heavy to be what a tablet is. But it was necessary because they needed that much torque to run Dev 11 on it. And so I, I, I want, and it's 1300 bucks. It's too much money too. Right I, where's the $200 version of this? Right. You know, I, and you know, part of the conversation we've been having on the show is, is this, what does the dev cycle look like? I want to yeah. develop on my, on my PC with enough touch to understand what I'm doing. And I want to deploy to a lightweight machine. The machine we got at build is not a lightweight machine. Yeah. It is an odd machine. I'm and I like it. I've got one too. I think it's very cool, but it's an odd duck. But I hear what you're saying is these two machines, I have an iPad and I have the Windows 8 tablet. And they're not the same. He said, "This is a little PC, and this is a is a like a smartphone, a giant phone." So what you're saying is, you like the tablet because it has the, all the Windows power behind it. Yeah, I there are just times want when you the just want the Metro part. I, I think we're going to see those models. I, yeah, think, I think see it, some of those. I think yeah. it's inevitable there will yep. be an ARM Absolutely. device that will be Metro only. I'm sure. You know, and it's the thing, we could tease Microsoft if they want. They're That's smart right. people. We are not the people who thought of this, no. right? There's a group of guys who are like, wait till we build one of these. Right. I have every expectation of that, and it'll be a challenge to build for it, but I'm excited by that. That's the product I'll buy. I'm stoked about that product. Me too. It, so what you're saying is it feels like legacy when you switch to desktop mode. Because it is. <laughs> That's intentional. Yeah. Well, thank these people for being here instead of at Penn and Teller or at a yes, slot machine you. somewhere. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for not going to fantasy tonight. Appreciate um, our esteemed panel. Thank you so much for doing this. And um, glad you guys came. I, I hope you found this valuable. Uh, we will be continuing the conversation with malted beverages outside, and you're welcome to join us. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, PluralSight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. PluralSight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band.